welcome to episode 13 of the Philosopher Science podcast, the podcast about free, libre, and open source software for science. Today, David and I are interviewing Martin Owens from the Inkscape community. Hi, Martin. Thank you for being with us. Could you please introduce yourself and briefly explain your current work as an independent free software contractor? Yes. Hello. Uh, I'm Martin, and I work from Boston as a free and open source programmer. Uh, what that means is that I get hired by companies and by research labs um, to help them either modify the existing free software projects that they use or to help them publish their free software pro projects. Okay, can you summarize to which free software projects you have contributed to? Uh, yes, so I've worked on, as well as Inkscape, I've, I've also worked on the Ubuntu project for, for a, n a number of years. Um, and I've also worked on a number of uh, Perl and Python li libraries. Okay, so today we talk about the Inkscape program. For our listeners who may not know about Inkscape, what is it and who uses it? So Inkscape is a vector image editor. It's essentially a, an art tool that allows you to uh, generate graphics using uh, mathematically defined shapes. So instead of drawing a, an array of pixels, uh, which define a, a, a rectang rectangle, you tell the computer the dimensions of a rectangle and what colors to use, and it will paint those as, as you go dynamically. Uh, so, so what Inkscape is, is Inkscape is, a, is the pro program that allows you to generate these vector graphics. And um, it's, a, it's a program that is used by artists who create very intricate artworks, but also by people who do uh, CNC cutting. So they, they, they use machines to cut out uh, shapes. It's used by uh, kids who are lear learning how to draw. Um, it's used by um, designers who want to do things like design floor plans and design uh, user interfaces. Uh, so it's a very versatile tool. Do you know any use cases for scientists and researchers? Uh, yeah, absolutely. So scientists like to use it for doing graphing and for uh, m many sort of uh, modifications to uh, images they might be so that they can present them, especially when it comes to embedding them into papers. Okay. How do you use Inkscape? What kind of interface do we use to you to use it? Um, so Inkscape is a is a graphical tool that's uh, written in uh, GTK3, and uh, you use it on the desktop uh, with with a mouse or with a, a graphics tablet. Is there also any possibility to do scripting with Inkscape? Uh, there, there is, yeah. So Inkscape allows you to to call it on on the, on the command line, and you can call a, a vast number of commands uh, within Inkscape's um, remit to, to modify or create shapes using using the command line. Okay, so most of the drawing functions are available for scripts as well from outside of the graphical user interface. Yeah, and what what tends to happen is that uh, the the graphics people use the the command line in order to convert uh, the SVGs into things like PNGs or P PDF files. Okay, Inkscape use SVG uh, graphic formats, the scalable vector graphics. What is the benefit of the SVG format instead of other formats? So uh, SVG is a uh, World Wide Web Consortium standard. So it is used uh, on the internet, just just like HTML. 
uh, in order to display graphics. So one, one of the benefits is that you can use it inside of a web browser. Uh, and you can show things like graphs and uh, even complicated uh, graphics uh, inside of a web. Uh, but it also in, in integrates things like animations as well as um, JavaScript. So you can script the, the SC much like you would script a HTML page. Uh, and of course, because it's a standard, uh, files that are saved in SVG are, are more available, uh, renderable, and editable by more pro programs than, say, for instance, say, a competing for format such as uh, Adobe Illustrator. Uh, and they also represent a more digital editable version than, say, a for format such, such as P PDF, uh, because PDF is more concerned with uh, print printing to a physical piece of paper. Okay. So you mentioned that Adobe Illustrator can open SVG files, but what is the other way around? So if I'm using Inkscape and get an Adobe Illustrator artwork or the AI format from my colleague, can I open it with Inkscape and look at it, edit it, save it? And what's about for a Corel drawer? I think there it's the CDR format. Yeah, so what, what we do is uh, we, we have imperfect uh, capacity to open um, Adobe Illustrator files and Corel Draw files. We can't we can't save them though, so we, we, we can only open them and hope that's sufficient to convert old uh, proprietary fault for format files into S SVG. Okay. Do you need to be up to date with those formats? Do they evolve over time or are they more or less set in time? Um, mostly they're set, um, this is somewhat to do with how we access the information. Um, so to, to give you a little bit of a de detail for how we access, um, the Adobe Illustrator fault format is we, we open a, a PDF that they save inside the fault for format. So it doesn't really matter too much what Adobe does to their, their AI files. As long as they have that pre preview PDF embedded inside, we, we can extract it. Okay, so you're go going the way around instead of reading straight the AI format, you're using uh, another vector. Yes, simply because they, they don't document how their files work. So the, the, the reverse engineering process can, can be quite hard. And of course, we already have the ability to open up PDF files. So we, we can do use the, the same code. Okay. And how do you do it for Corel Draw files? Um, Corel Draw files, actually, we, we open those. Uh, there's a library uh, which we've been afforded, uh, which allows us to access them. Um, which, of course, I'm not too familiar with Corel Draw specifics, um, but we've had, I don't think, very many complaints about new versions of Corel Draw being incompatible. But I suspect it it happens from time time to time. Okay, what sets Inkscape apart from its competition? M mostly, it's the fact that it's uh, it's free software. Um, so it's available for free, but it's also a, a free and open source pro project, so it respects your freedoms. Um, but it's also a tool which is um, it, it, it's one of the few vector editors that works on Linux plat platforms, and it's also one of the few uh, editors that, that is a focuses on SVG as its un underlying for format. So instead of having our own specialized for format that we could save things to, and, and believe it or not, it would actually make things easier for us to be able to target our own proprietary for format. Uh, but we, we think it's important that and the editor 
actually base itself on a, a an open standard standard um, because it allows us to to be compatible in in a way that uh, you you just can't be otherwise. Yeah, Natas, in the past, when you save files in Inkscape, you can save them either as plain SVG or Inkscape SVG. Is there a difference between those two files? Uh, yeah, so what what we do is we, we keep to the spec um, as much as possible. And um, what we do is we then save extra attributes on top of that uh, in, a, in what's known as a, a namespace uh, in the XML. What those do is they, they give Inkscape some, some pointers to retain some of the information. So a good example is that if you draw a star shape in Inkscape, there's no star shape in the SVG spec. Uh, so we what we do is we draw a path using using a SVG path, but then we add an extra uh, Inkscape attribute that says that this is a star and this is its star-like attributes. And so when we open that SVG back up, we, we can recognize that for what it is, which is a star, instead of it being just, just a path. Uh, whereas if you save it as a normal uh, plain SVG, then we, we strip all of that away. And we allow that uh, because some uh, users need to be able to access plain SVG with, without all of the extra attributes. Uh, but of course, then if, if they open them back up again, the star will not be a star anymore. It'll just be a path. Okay. On how many platform is Inkscape available? So uh, nominally three. It's available for for, for Linux, which uh, is the primary plat- platform because it's where most most of the developers are. Uh, it's also available for win- Windows, uh, and it's also in inside the, the Windows 10 store. And it's available for Mac, uh, but less successfully for, for Mac. So we're trying to work on a better better release. Okay. Do you support more obscure platforms such as FreeBSD or iQoo or I don't know what other operating system <laughs> there is? <laughs> well, um, mo- mostly support uh, is is uh, distribution specific. So uh, a good exa- a good exa- example is that in 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 our Linux support, uh, we have in individuals who are. Uh, focused on each specific distribution. Um, one of our best contributors uh, for distributions is is the Arch Arch support because Arch Linux publishes a version of Inkscape almost immediately when when a new new release comes out. Um, and the same goes for Debian and 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 so so on. And so I haven't heard anything from anybody releasing Inkscape for BSD, uh, but I, I imagine that they have it available. Um, but we we have not heard like to talk to us if they want us to ad- advertise that. Okay, so you mostly rely on distro maintainers to keep the package up to date in their own repo. Absolutely, yeah. So so uh, Inkscape is a very popular pro- pro- project in terms of its both usability and it, and the demand for it. So uh, distributions are very keen to make sure that it continues to be available. Okay, so. You are attending the Inkscape Hackfest in Germany to prepare the release of version 1.0 of Inkscape. What are the new major features of this version? Ah, so uh, m- mostly what Inkscape 1.0 is, is it's a new technological backend. So we, we've moved from GTK2 to GTK3. Uh, we've we've changed some of the underlying assumptions that Inkscape makes uh, to do with co- the coordinate sy- system and the uh, the resolution that we use. Um, and so we we are moving to, to 1.0 to, to mark Inkscape out as being both ready to use so that users understand that Inkscape is a, is a good 
uh, professional grade soft software that's not in beta or alpha, um, but also so we have the opportunity to, to modify some of the issues that Inkscape has had for a long time. Okay. So for the version 1.0, you switched to uh, GTK3, you modified some background features, but was there a specific list of features that you targeted before reaching the 1.0 version? Because you stayed at like 0.91, 0.92 for, for many years before. So uh, why that weight? Is there a specific list, uh, a target? Okay, so I'm, I'm just going to go through a, a, a couple of different things. So uh, we we have uh, refactored the way I, I, icons work. So now the, the Inkscape is themable. You can so select the 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 icon theme within the pref preferences as well as change the uh, the actual uh, uh, gtk theme itself the, there's some nice drop drop downs that allow you to set for instance a dark theme or flat I icons etc so uh, people could actually have a play with how uh, inkscape looks for for the, for them we have Made sure that uh, the high deep, deep, deep DPI works. So in pre previous Inkscape releases, if you had a high DPI screen, a lot of the icons would would be very very small. Uh, but now we've actually managed to fix all of those ish issues so that icons are the correct size. We've added a cam ca canvas rotation, uh, which allows you to both flip and rotate the cam canvas as, as you're drawing without actually moving the elements on on the screen. So we've we've added some also we've added some SVG two uh, features. So we've been involved with the W three C for making S the SVG specification better, and so we we've been adding things like uh, the rendering options for for stroke and fill, as well as uh, mesh gradients and a couple of other important next level features. Uh, some of these features don't quite work in browsers yet because browsers are still work, work, working on, on their support. Uh, but quite quite often features in SVG will appear in Inkscape first and then browsers will eventually support them. Um, we've made the eraser tool better by, by using a non-destructive non, a non clipping uh, arrangement. So as you, as you erase pieces with, with the mouse, it can create a clipping mask, which can be very, very, very useful especially when you're dealing with things that are not paths. Uh, there are some new live path effects uh, for doing lots of things like uh, knots and shapes and switching and so on. Uh, but I'll leave those for the, for the release notes so people can actually see the details for those. Um, there's a lot more extensions and things involved. Uh, we've actually rewritten the, 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 ex the extensions for Python 3. Uh, which should be important if, if any of your users use uh, Inkscape extensions for uh, doing their, their science work or for generating graphs, for instance. Yeah, I think we've had we, we've we've done some font work as well, but it, it, it's difficult to know if that if that will actually be finished by the time it, it, it releases. Um, yeah, we, we've also been been freeing up the the, the interface more um, XML and 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 UI files. Uh, and what this means is that um, Inkscape itself will n will not actually have all of the instructions for how to draw the screen uh, in in the code itself, but it will actually load it dynamically. And so we're we're hoping that designers will be able to come in and modify those uh, Glade files, for for instance, and and change the way Inkscape looks, so they can experiment more, and we can invite them into into Inkscape to do to to make Inkscape's user interface better. Okay, to separate the user interface from the process itself 
Yeah, that, that's exactly right. Okay. From your last point where you mentioned uh, driving with Python to do graph, usually I make my graphs with other tools and then I, use, I, gen- I export them in vector format and I use Inkscape to add some annotation or specific marks. But is it possible to define equations for line and curves to create plots from scratch directly within uh, Inkscape? It, it's not. And, and, and mainly that's because SVG itself doesn't support... Uh, d- d- um, programming except for the except for the case of creating svg with javascript and uh inkscape is not is not really designed to render javascript so it doesn't it has no no javascript engine so if you were to create a, a piece of code that generated graphs it uh, inkscape wouldn't be able to to run the code to to do the generation Having said that, the, there is uh, the possibility to create Python extensions, which can take your data and then generate uh, SVG out- output. Um, but when it comes to the actual equations themselves, those those are best left to a programming lang- language. Okay. So is it possible to add mathematical formulas to a drawing? For example, can Inkscape render LaTeX code or embedded LaTeX code? So that it would be compiled within a document, and I can have nice mathematical or physical equations. Yes. So there's there's a couple of different things that uh, allow you to do, do do that. Again, I I, I go back to extensions. So uh, there's there's a n- number of LaTeX extensions which allow you to uh, specify mathematical form, form formulas, but also specify external LaTeX files and include them in as as mathematics. And I believe they're they're, they're rendered. Uh, correctly, and you can use them as objects once they're once they're they've been generated. Which license is used to distribute Inkscape? Inkscape, uh, Inkscape is uh, distributed uh, ordinarily under GPL v2, uh, but some of that is moving towards GPL v3. Okay, uh, do you know why this specific license was used? Was it selected? Uh, yes, yeah, so we we are a free software pro- pro- project, um, and we believe very st- strongly that a a good and healthy free software pro- project and ecosystem can only be maintained if you protect a, a project from being um, basically used by actors who do not want, wish to contribute back. Um, we believe that contributors should uh, be willing uh, to to keep their code available, and that we should we should be uh, allowed to take modifications that some, somebody else has escaped and, and incorporate them in. Okay. Is there any reason why you decided to switch to version three of GPL, or that mostly has to do with com- com- compatibility? So uh, our, our normal license for the vast majority of our files is G- GPL v two or later. But uh, if we want to include some code from, say, for instance, GIMP, which is GPL v three, or we want to include some icons, which came up re- recently, which are also licensed in GPL v three, then the, the act of including those in the pro- project means that the whole project becomes GPLv3. Not the specific files themselves, so like source files could still be GPLv2, but the actual distribution that we build uh, would be GPLv3. Yeah, the sum of all the parts. That's right. Okay. So let us switch to the community around Inkscape. How is the community organized? Uh, so it's an uh, anarchist collective. <laughs> so uh, what, what I mean to say is that uh, Inkscape is a is a community which is um, designed to be very flat. Uh, originally, uh, it used to be a pro- project called Sorripodi, which was o- organized with a with a central developer who approved every single commit. Uh, 
and uh, Inkscape had to be forked away because the, the that developer did did not accept pa- patches, uh, and so uh, a group of developers got got together and decided to create Inkscape from Sorrypody, and so what this meant is that there's a there's a culture of making sure that every community contributor has access to the code base. Uh, can commit to the code base. So we have a policy of if you commit uh, more than two uh, su- successful pat- patches, then you become a developer of Inkscape. Uh, you get vo- vo- voting rights to vote in the board and, and, and et cetera. Um, but apart from the actual um, the, the develop and the board, which looks after the money and the trade and trademark, there's no other, no other leadership in terms. Uh, People, People can lead on pro- projects and they can lead on specific ideas. And uh, we, we think it's important to allow and give permission to even new en- en- entrants into the pro- project to contribute what they have to, to offer. Okay. Uh, when did the initial fork happen? Uh, Tav, when, when did the Sorry Potty fork happen? It's on Wikipedia, yeah. Because <laughs> I never heard of the first name, actually. Me neither. Yeah, it's. Um, let me just have a look at that. Initial release 2003 of Inkscape. Yeah. So yeah, in 2003 it, it was forked. Okay. And do you know what happened with this old project? Was it dying, vanishing, or is it still existing? The last release was to, to 2004. So I think it's dead. <laughs> Probably okay. 14 years ago. Yeah. I think I've seen in the past that Inkscape is under the Software Conservancy to help with trademark litigations and all of the paperwork behind. Uh, am I right about that? Or do you have some umbrella organization helping you manage the project? Yeah, so the, the Software Freedom Conservancy is our, is our umbrella. And they operate both our, our, our accounts to, to pay, pay for things like Hackfest. So most of the individuals who are coming to this Hackfest are actually uh, reimbursed for their travel. And uh, it also holds our trade tr- trademarks and so that we can protect the, the, pro- the pro- project's name. Okay. How can one join the community and how do you communicate with that community? So what we, what we've done more recently is we've opened the, the the community up more, so to try and give individuals that want to do um, more community work, uh, for instance, a- answering questions on forums. Uh, we started a new team called Inkscape Vectors, which is a team that is dedicated towards a- basically advertising, making sure we have news art- articles written. And that pro- project is headed by uh, Ryan, who who is not a developer at all. So we're we're very keen on on in- inviting more into translations and graphics and uh, anything re- really that people think might help the pro- pro- project. Uh, we're we're interested in hearing from from you. Okay, so you don't need to be a developer to be part of the community. Yeah? Not at all. And, and what and what we're going to be start, starting soon is a an introduction, uh, introductory developer um, sort of uh, tutorial, which which will invite developers or like non developers really into into contributing with uh, Python extensions. So we we see a lot of developers who come into the project. You, developing Python extensions first, and then they move on to doing the C++ code. So we think that uh, it'd be good to invite anybody who is even slightly familiar with Python that they can play with the, with the code and join the project that way. 
Okay. And do you have any specific communication channels for the community? Like mailing list or, I don't know, IRC channels? Yeah, so we we primarily talk on uh, the the mailing list and the mailing list links. Um, you should be able to go to the to the Inkscape website and navigate to the the, the mailing list from from there. Uh, I specify that precisely because we're about to move from SourceForge to Mailman three, and I don't want to give a, a link out that might become invalid. So, do I need to register to? send questions to the mailing list or can I just send a question without registering? Uh, for the developer mailing list, I believe that it's a registration required. Um, for the user's mailing list, if you send a message, it, it will just be moderated before it, it's accepted. Um, but, but there's also there's also some, some forums, which is more help and support. Uh, you can talk to us on IRC, on uh, hash, uh, Inkscape, on Free, Freenode. Um, and we also have a, a rocket chat and you can submit bug requests to um, GitLab for some of the pro project. Okay. Is there, um, for code, there is Stack Exchange for uh, programming, but is there anything related in that form to Inkscape? Uh, there's no specific project hosted uh, as Stack Exchange. Uh, we most support requests via chat. Okay, no, but I mean for um, user support for uh, regular questions, regular uh, problems. Like in LaTeX, there is uh, a Stack Exchange for LaTeX. There is one for uh, academia or PhD students. Uh, is there one for uh, users of, of Inkscape? I, th I think there is. Um, people do do ask questions about Inkscape on the Stack Exchange, but there is no uh, project defined or, or one that's integrated into the project. Okay. Um, so, so it's a it's a task that we are um, interested to hear from users of Inkscape if they want to have this kind of certain service and if they'd be willing to help us to to put it together. Okay. So, is Inkscape active in Google Summer of Code? So, have you tried to do Google Summer of Code? Yes, Inkscape applies for Google Summer of Code every year, and uh, we we've had some pretty successful pro projects. Do you have any examples of those uh, successful projects? Yeah, we didn't we didn't have any good applicants this 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 year, but in pre previous years we have. So, uh, one of the examples is the um, uh, trace bitmap and the trace uh, uh, what do they call them P pixel art map. I, I believe those were Google's summer of code pro projects. Okay, good. Your usual question, to be frank, are, are more for scientists. And uh, we usually talk for scientists developing software for science, but Inkscape is a really interesting subject because it is widely used when we prepare graphs. We, we use it to, to clean up some stuff and to prepare some, some pictures, but <laughs> our, usually, our content is usually more focused towards science. <laughs> to tell you a quick story, we actually had a guest who, who joined us here at the Hackfest who is from a neighboring building who is a science scientist who who told us the exact same thing that you just said uh, that he, they use it for graphs that inkscape's very important he wanted to come over and say and say hello to us good so we definitely have some proof <laughs> the proof's in the pudding <laughs> it is yeah, absolutely okay so when we were talking of science let us talk a little bit about open science what is your vision about floss and how do you think it's impacting the openness of science Uh, I think free software is very important, uh, and not just the the open source aspect of code availability and and reproducibility when it comes to the the publication of science that has code involved in it. But I think the actual notions that free software have put together about about um, 
the freedom of of the general population to to actually have some kind of ownership and some kind of stake in uh, products that have traditionally been very expensive has a lot to say about uh, how science should be conducted. Um, most science is fund funded by um, government institutions, and it seems fair that uh, science should be published uh, and the public should have access to to, to it, um, as well as other scientists being able to run and uh, run the same code that was involved in the actual experiments. Okay. Do you think that using floss can have negative impact on science? Um, I think sometimes it can. So so some of the the labs that I uh, deal with have certain reservations about publishing um, based upon the fact that they may... They may indicate to rival labs the, the direction that they're investigating, and therefore they might uh, undermine their own uh, publication. Um, but I haven't actually seen that happen uh, in, in terms of code being published, at least for now. When it comes to actually like the free software ethos, I, I don't. I don't really think that think think of that as a negative thing on on science, uh, you know, as a, as an institution. Uh, but I'd be interested to hear from from you guys what, what you guys think about uh, free software in in science. I don't think it can have a negative impact as well because science is based on constructing stuff from people before us. If we close all we are looking for, all all, all the science uh, researchers in the future won't have anything to build upon. It all started from the wheel. And uh, from there, like the chariot come from the wheel, adding the force in front, like everything, like invention and science all come from a single path of, uh, or a tree branching from single discoveries. So, and you need, those needs to be open. Otherwise, uh, there's no evolution. Yeah, I, I, I will say one thing that I have no, no, noticed is that um, sometimes scientists are, are a bit conservative when it comes to publishing or like pub, uh, publicly committing to code that they have written when they don't feel that it is 100% complete. And in the free software ethos, you should be publishing code that even if it doesn't work, because it's more important that you're sharing, right? You're collaborating. You're 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 in a in motion, um, and so like you 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 reserve the difference between publishing in terms of like creating packages that people can install and they should work, and then actually committing to a Git repository and pushing that to GitHub or GitLab and 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 um, sh- sh- making sure that your your fellow science scientists are aware of the code and maybe you can share the, the same code and you know I, I see that. F- Free software sometimes makes scientists hesitate before they commit to um, uh, showing others their, their their code. Yeah, just laying the foundation of a project is often as important as finalizing the project to make it workable. Yeah, I, in fact, I, I would say that there's a, there's a there's more requirements to making sure that your code is public in a good way, which means that there's some some energy expended on um, code quality and test coverage and just being proud of the code that you write that uh, you would not maybe have spent if you had some piece of code that was just pri- private. Okay. One other question I was wondering about when universities hire you as a contractor and you develop code, what about the copyright and is this code automatically free and uh, open source code or is it kept by the university who pays you? 
So uh, the, the the general rule for contracting is that the people who pay pay, pay me should continue to to retain the ownership over that code. But the contracts that I sign explicitly state that I, I am a free software, software con- contractor and as such should only be working on free software code. Um, a good example of this is that I did some work for the MIT test lab. Uh, it's an exoplanet satellite. And the vast majority of the work that I did for them is on a GPL, a GPL V3 website for, for vetting stars. Um, whereas they asked me to do some code on the uh, the actual um, satellite itself, which obviously is not free software. And I uh, did not do very much code, uh, even though I was asked to do, because my contract doesn't spe- specify that I, I, sh- I um, would work on that. Um, so I, I do resist uh, working on code that isn't free software. And, uh, you know, I think, I think it's important to be able to stand up and say that I, you know, this is the job that I do. And I, f- I think it's important to be an expert in, uh, in like a domain expert in the free software field. Um, and so far that that's worked out very well. I've been able to educate, uh, um, uh, people who run labs on the importance of making sure that we p- publish, making sure that we specify licenses, um, you know, just making sure that we, we, we have all of the, the free software things in, in a row, but also making sure that the uh, institution, Harvard or, or MIT or, or like whoever the higher-ups are, don't write con- con- contracts for me, which bind me toward, to, to making things pri- private. Uh, because I've had, I've had to hire lawyers who have to go through con- con- contracts and send them back in order to make sure that the con- contracts will, won't do something silly with the, with the, the copyrights, because they they sometimes make assumptions about how things are written, and uh, you know, free software software isn't always considered uh, as an important as- aspect of a contract. Yeah. So, would you consider yourself more a pragmatist or an idealist when you think about floss? I think uh, I am. I, I'm, I'm definitely an I, I, idealist in terms of the of the politics. I believe that the politics are important, um, but I'm also a pragmatist in terms of um, getting things to to run. So the way I, I like to think think of it is that I'm a I'm a um, an ideal idealist practic- practicalist. I, I in the ideal I would be practical, and unfortunately, some, some, sometimes I can't I I can't be as much as as much as I want to be. So I, I work very hard to make things work, but. I, I tend not to stray away from being a free software per- person. Okay. What is your favorite text processing tool? So I, I, I use VI and uh, Vim for, for everything. So is there anything else you would like to share with us because we are close at the end of the interview? Uh, sure. I, I would love to invite uh, scientists who work on uh, Inkscape-related graphs and things, anything that they can show off to, to uh, other Inkscape users. I'd love to see them uh, post some of their work, maybe even small parts, to Inkscape.org. We have a, a gallery system where you can post your uh, extensions, your your graphics, um, and so you you can share with the w- wider community. We we don't tend to see many science and scientists actually uh, publish their their graphics um, outside of the their own p- papers. Thank you, Martin, for your time and this interview. Uh, if any of our listeners want to reach you, how would you like them to contact you? They can email me if they wish. Uh, you can feel free to post my, e- my my email address. Okay, we'll include it in the show note then. Yeah, 
Thank you very very much for invi inviting me. Sure, it was really nice to talk to you about Inkscape. Thanks. This will be all for today's episode of the Philosopher Science Podcast. I hope you enjoyed that interview. You can reach me on Twitter at DLPK. Or you can reach me at underscore DBrass or both of us at Philosopher Science. Also, we are on iTunes, Stitchers and Google Play Music. You can help us by leaving comments and rating to help new listeners discover our show. Our website is located at philosopherscience.github.io where you can find all of your contact information and a link to our GitHub page where you can submit subject ideas for future episodes. You also can listen to our previous episodes or find the RSS feed to get all of your interviews delivered directly to your favorite podcast player. Our current schedule is to release an episode on the first Wednesday of every month. We hope that you enjoyed the show and that we will see you all in the next episode. Bye. Bye-bye.